Seinfeld, the wig master is over, but we are just getting started here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. And now, here are the two guys sipping on some champagne coolies. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Q Winnaker. Kiva, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. Yes. Keeve. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do I do I say happy Yom Kippur? What, what's the right adjective? No, I think you're happy it's over. Happy, you don't say happy, happy it's over Yom Kippur? Yeah. 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 You, you, don't, you, you, know, you say you have an easy fast or have an easy Yom Kippur. Did you have an easy fast? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's probably good for you not to like eat once every few weeks or something. Yes. So in that sense, it's good. But it's, the, the issue isn't the not eating. It's like the 11 hours in synagogue. Oh, my God. So that that really gets you. But the good thing is you're in synagogue so much you don't have the chance to eat. Like even if you want to eat, you're not being tempted by food. Yeah. You know, there's no food there. So it's it's sort of uh, it's brilliant. You don't have to worry about eating because there's nothing to eat. There's going to be a special place for you one day, Keeve, and up up in heaven that they're going to they're going to re- they're going to write all these sacrifices down. Yeah. From uh, listen, it probably won't be that far away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we are today talking about the wig master from season seven and certainly an interesting episode. A lot of things going on here in this episode. Uh, a lot of uh, a big prostitution ring uncovered by the core four this week. Yeah, they really did some investigative journalism this week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how likely this is to happen here in 2016, but we will explore it all here today uh keeve anything that you want to get into before we talk about the wig master or are you dying to jump right in i mean do you want to talk politics we could talk politics oh sure let's yes why not <laughs> is there any relation of seinfeld to po- the political scene no right no. have we have, have we discussed who we think kramer would have voted for hmm um i don't know i think that kramer he's a stickler I think that he likes there being I, I could see him siding with the candidate who calls themselves the law and order candidate. But I feel like that if this was a Seinfeld episode, almost surely Kramer would have had some run in with Donald Trump along the way. Oh, yeah, it's it's almost shocking that he was never on the show. Yeah, where you could see maybe like the core four sitting in the diner talking about like, who are you going to vote for? And Kramer saying like, oh, pfft. Trump, like, uh, and you know, set up some story where him and Bob Sacamano were moving a piano into his apartment one day and got into a whole thing. So I feel like that that's sort of the end. Um, yeah, or I, Kramer might be like a third party candidate, but not like the popular third parties, <laughs> like like a sixth party guy. Sixth party, sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll save that spec script for somebody to write of how the Seinfeld Core Four would be dealing with election 2016. But other than that, Keeve, you ready to dive into talking about the Wigmaster? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, uh, of course, the Wigmaster. As we get close to the end of season seven here, uh, the Wigmaster originally aired all the way back on April fourth, nineteen ninety six, written by Spike Ferenstein. Uh, yeah, his, he most famously wrote the Soup Nazi, and he's still like riding on that today, but also wrote the Wigmaster. Okay, so here it is. And we start off with Jerry doing stand-up, talking about wigs. Keith, you are certainly the historian on the podcast. Why did people wear powdered wigs? Because they had syphilis and they lost their hair? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think they just had gross hair back then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and would you be interested in a powdered wig? 
no, I feel like it's a lot of work to like maintain the wig, you know, mm-hmm. like I'd walk out of the house and my son would be like, you know, put, he put it in the sink or he'd like throw it in the garbage. You know, it would be a mess. You'd need a lot of wigs. And I feel like they're super expensive. Yeah. And you would need powdered wigs because they would get sweaty. And you saw this would be good to sort of like absorb the sweat. I, the whole thing is gross. I'm not I, like it <laughs> makes a lot of sense why it went out of fashion. Although I, I do like Jerry stand up here. It's pretty it's a pretty good uh uh, you know, bit of stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite part of it? Um, no, I just like the idea that like uh, the second people could see what they looked like when he, inv- when they invented mirrors, you know, that the, the wigs went out of fashion immediately. Yeah. Okay. So we end up with Jerry at a clothing store and he really likes the blazer that he wore in last week's episode in the Friars Club. He wants some sort of a blazer with a crest on it. Keith, is this a thing that people like, oh, I need a blazer with a crest on it. Just give me any crest. It doesn't have to be the college I went to or some organization that I'm in. I just want anything that looks like a crest. It's pretty weird, right? I think that um, like the the flying Karamazov brothers also had their own crest last week. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine like what crest would you want to wear if you if you had to wear a crested blazer? <laughs> not the New York Jets. Oh, no, forget it. Let's not even mention <laughs> Cut them from the podcast. Bleep that name out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what sort of crest you would wear to something. I mean, unless you were in like some sort of like Hall of Fame. I don't know why you would need a crested blazer. Yeah, I, I I do like the Hall of Fame crest. Um, I, I can't imagine like a college like you mentioned a college crest. Do colleges have crests that people would wear their blazers? I feel like they would, if, especially if you went to like some sort of like Ivy League school. I think then oh, yeah. some state university. I think that oh, you just gave me an idea. I feel like Chester has a, a Harvard crested blazer. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt, he has one. Oh, no. <laughs> And so Jerry is shopping and he is helped by a man named Craig, not Greg. And he just screams douche from the moment you see him. Uh, yeah, this is like if we ranked like what's if what would be our Mount Douchemore for Seinfeld characters? I don't know. But this guy would be on it. I think they all have sort of the long ponytails. I feel like that that is probably one of the staples of the douchey character in any TV show or movie is the male ponytail. Now, man bun, I think you can come back from that. You don't have to necessarily be a douche uh, if you have a man bun. But the ponytail is pretty douchey. I'm trying to think if there's any character in the history of fiction that had a ponytail as a man and wasn't a douche. Yeah, I can't think of one. I, I, and even the man bun, like, that might be cool now, but it certainly wasn't cool in Seinfeld time. No, definitely not. But I'm trying to think if there is one redeemable person in all of TV, movies, play, books, anything, cartoons, is there one man with a ponytail that's not a total douche? That might be a good question for the listeners. I'm really not thinking of a single person. No, I don't think so. All right. So Jerry does not love the blazer. He tells the guy, oh, I think I'm going to come back later with somebody else. And the guy gives him a look like, oh, sure you will. And Jerry's like, no, 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 I will. I will. And Craig doesn't believe him. Since when does Jerry care about what like this lowly you know, suit a store worker thinks about if Jerry's coming back or not. He goes back and forth, Jerry. Sometimes they make it where he cares what everybody thinks. Sometimes that he just does not care what anybody thinks. 
Yeah, it's really inconsistent. Yeah. All right. So we go back to Jerry's apartment and he's talking with Elaine about how the guy caught him making up the story. He had no intention to actually go back, but it was bothering him that the guy thought he was a liar. This does seem like more of a George story. Yeah, it's not a bad point. Yeah. George would be obsessed with this. Jerry wouldn't care. Yeah. And so he needs Elaine to come with him to the store to look at the jacket with him. And then she should say that she doesn't like it. So then Jerry won't have to buy the crested blazer. As far as like uh, come with plots go on Seinfeld, this seems like a pretty simple, straightforward one. Mm -hmm. George is sort of pacing around. He's on the phone. Finally, he starts talking and it turns out that Susan has yet another friend wheels, another friend this season. This time it is a guy who is staying with Susan and George, who happens to be the wig master in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I mean, how much like they have the one that's his whole job. He's just in charge of the wigs. It does seem like an odd thing. I mean, there really is not a lot of talk about wigs in the episode. I mean, he really could have had any job other than the one throwaway line of, yeah, of course they make wigs out of human hair. There's really not a lot of wigs in the episode at all. It's not like that Kramer ends up wearing a wig with the dream coat when people think he's a pimp at the end of the episode, right? Why doesn't Kramer wear a wig at the end? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we needed a wig master in this episode, but yet there is one. And it's also the name of the episode. What should he have been? Well, like, what's a better? Should he have been a grip? I don't know what he could have been. I mean, I think they just thought that that was the funniest job somebody would have on a set. I mean, is there like a best boy in a play? I know there is in a movie like that's funny. Yeah, best boy would be funny. Yeah, and then, but it like, sounds too much like the bus the boy. boy does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the best boy, the grip. Um, sure. Is there? I don't. I don't know what the other title. There's probably some theater specific positions that we don't know. And really, it comes into play with the costume designer, where the dream coat ultimately shows up at the end of the episode. It's just that the costume designer happened to be a friend of the wigmaster. Yeah. Are you already out on the name of the episode, wigmaster? Yeah, it's not good. What should the name of the episode be? I mean, I feel like if anything, then the Jiffy Park. I feel like that that probably that the parking lot has more to do with what's going on. Even the Crested Blazer. Yeah, the Crested Blazer is not terrible. The Jiffy Park, the problem is it's like the name of a fake parking lot. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. You're giving it like fake publicity. <laughs> sure. Sure. You kill for that kind of fake publicity. What about the what about why not the ponytail? Uh, I don't know. I feel like the, that the ponytail is not that big of a deal. No, I guess not. Yeah. And anyway, so this guy, the wig master, that he is staying over at George's house and Kramer comes in. He talks about how Bob Sacramento once stayed with him for a year and a half, Keeve. Uh, that sounds like uh, that apartment would have gotten very gross with Sacramento and Kramer in there for 18 months. <laughs> you would think so. You think Sacramento is a neat guy? I feel like the type of guy who stays at Kramer's apartment for 18 months you can get you probably like on the run from the law. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think he uh, I don't think he's a neat guy. No, probably not. All right. So Kramer ends up talking to George. He wants tickets for the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Is that consistent with Kramer's character that he really wants tickets to go see Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? I think he likes free stuff and he has some sort of. Uh, you know, connection to the theater. Like he does win a Tony award. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so George also has found a new parking lot 
It is called the Jiffy Park. He can drop his car off there. 75 bucks a month to park his car at Jiffy Park. Does that sound like a good deal, Keith? I mean, nowadays, that's, you know, now it would be like thousands of dollars. So sure. Mm hmm. OK, sure. So that's George is very excited about all this. All right. So Jerry goes to the store with Elaine and immediately Thirsty Elaine and Craig hit it off. Uh, is she still in Thirsty Elaine mode? I love it. Let's see when we finish season seven, get into season eight. Let's see if she's still in Thirsty Elaine mode in a few weeks. Yeah, they've really done a number on Elaine here in season seven. Every guy she meets is just like, you know, falling all over herself to try to get his number. Yeah, her eyes are going boing. Yeah. Although it's almost like that they try to balance out these two things that are unlikable about Elaine. One, uh, her thirstiness to these complete strangers. And two, then also that they made her into that. She was like obsessed with how much money Jerry made. And it almost seems as though she is not romantically interested in this guy. She just wants a free dress or at least a discounted dress. Uh, it's right. It's totally unclear, but it does seem like she's much more interested in the dress than ponytail dude. There's no future with ponytail dude. Yeah. And well, and ponytail guy, ponytail Craig, he also is coming off uh, very poorly in this episode because I don't believe he's romantically interested in Elaine at all. He just wants to have a physical relationship with her. I mean, is that like, is that, I, 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 but he doesn't want to have a relationship with Ian or Ian or Ian or whatever mm, that guy's name right. is. Yeah. He, he just wants it over his head. He's just like. One of these guys who promises a lot and then under delivers. Yes. It would be like someone like said they were going to give a lot of money to charity. But then when their records came out, they gave no money to charity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think that this whole episode, like the theme is this sort of idea of the transactional relationship between men and women. And that's certainly what's going on here with Elaine and Craig in this episode. Even though she starts off, she seems like she really likes him. I don't know why she sours on him. Because he has a ponytail. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> but it seems like when she first meets him, she really does like him. And then it doesn't become about him anymore. At a certain point, it just becomes about that she just wants a free dress. Yeah, right. At a certain point, it's like she was promised it and she put in all the time in this relationship. She's got to get the dress. Right. Like she starts talking to the guy and he's, like, oh, this is Joseph Abood. You know your coats. And he likes Jay Peterman. She writes the fanciful narratives. Everything is good. She tells Jerry she loves the blazer. And then she was like with a, she's like so tickled by the guy. She's like when he walks away, she's just like laughing hysterically. Um, she's tickled by him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, th I will say that scene is very bizarre. Like they did 30 takes and they <laughs> took the take where Elaine is laughing uncontrollably like someone is right. Like someone is tickling her or like off screen. Something bananas is happening like. It doesn't make sense that she would be laughing so hard mm -hmm. that she just got asked out on a date. Like, why? Why is why? You know, why are you laughing like crazy there? Yeah. The, the line that really puts her over the top is that the guy says to Jerry, hey, will you put your phone number on the check? And he says, and then Elaine, you could do the same. And uh, then he's just she goes going crazy, going cray cray. It's weird. It's a little <laughs> weird that they use that take. Yeah. All right. So Jerry is upset because he feels like this was very emasculating. How did Craig know that this wasn't Jerry's girlfriend? Yeah. You, they have a word for this now. Yes. What's the word? <laughs> it's used a lot online. Yes. By, especially by, uh, you know, supporters. of. Like, is it a seven letter word? Well, usually it's four letters, but yes. it's based on a seven letter word. I yeah, got it. Yeah. By the way, that would have been it would have been a great name for this episode also. <laughs> 
Like if this episode's written in 2016, <laughs> it's it, right. It still goes on. Right. But they just they just keep like they keep calling Jerry a cuckold, and that's fine. Yes, that's fine. All right. <laughs> so uh, we end up seeing now with Jerry being uh, very upset about that. Uh, you know, how dare he? And Elaine is like, well, he dared. What are you going to do? All right. So here's George. He ends up coming home and we end up seeing our first glimpse of the wig master, Ethan. Now, I was telling Keeve before we came on today that I actually uh, the actor who plays the wig master, Patrick Bristow. I actually had the opportunity to work with him a couple of times on some different things before I was podcasting when I was making YouTube videos. I got to work with Patrick Bristow, who is a groundling and a very funny guy. And we he had directed some of the stuff that we were doing uh, back pre Rob as a podcast. What's other than this? What's his most known credit? Um, I'd have to look off the top of my head. I just think he's been in like a million things as sort of like a, you know, a, a day player, probably on a bunch of different uh, sitcoms and stuff like that. I bet he's probably done a guest spot on almost every sitcom from you know 1995 to 2005 yeah it looks like his longest stint was on ellen yeah yeah so he was a uh, recurring character on that he probably had like a bunch of pilots and, and stuff like that but you know he does a lot of stuff with the groundlings community uh-huh so you, you got you run in that circle the groundling <laughs> circle no I, I i don't but he does you know okay the, yeah they all stay very much uh in, in touch i mean that his uh, IMDb page is uh, pretty extensive. He's you know done a lot of different things. Yeah, he's paying the bills as an actor. I feel like that's the difference. You know, you see like some of these guys like, OK, they've been in a few things. But once once you have to like scroll down for a while, they're like paying their bills as an actor. <laughs> yeah, they're not like waitering at night. Yeah. All right. So here's Susan's friend, the wig master. And the wig master has the wigs all over the place. And uh, where did Susan meet the wig master? I, maybe it's like her old college buddy. I, it's not clear. Susan has such an eclectic group of friends like you like between, you know, Kathy Griffin and the woman last week. I mean, she's had like four or five different like, oh, Susan's friend uh, that have just all come out of the woodwork over the last like six weeks of television. I I think that anyone who will be friends with Susan is immediately on the list. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's eclectic. She's like she's desperate. So whoever wants to be friends with her is allowed to be friends with her. Now, is this like some traveling production of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat that is playing New York? That's not really such a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's like why Broadway I'm shows don't Broadway shows don't come in. It's possible that they were like, what, what makes you think that, first of all? Well, why is just in town? Yeah. Why is he staying with Susan? Well, I think the way Broadway shows work is like they play Toronto or, you know, some other city. And then if it's successful, they come over here. Yes. Their test run is in like a smaller city. Yes. So maybe like they just moved to New York and he hasn't like found a place yet. So he's like shacking up at Elaine's house at at, uh, Susan and George's house until he uh, can find a place of his own. I think that happens sometimes in the city. So here's what George says. This is from the dialogue earlier in the episode. George talks about this friend of Susan's is staying with us for two weeks. Now, am I wrong or is that excessive? And then George goes on to say he's a wig master. He's with the touring company of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. He's the guy in charge of the wigs. So Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is touring and is in New York. What if they're about to leave New York? It's like, uh, you know, Hamilton plays New York and then eventually they'll just like go to Chicago and Boston and Tulsa. Okay. And so he sold his place. 
Yes, left it, or or he like it's the first of the month. You know, he he gave up his apartment to somebody else, and he's got two more weeks till he's got to go to you know Louisiana for Joseph and Technicolor Dreamcoat. So where else to stay but his friend Susan Ross's house? I'm sold. Okay, I'll buy it. <laughs> I'm glad we solved the least important problem of all. <laughs> all right. So Susan and Ethan are just having a, a great old time and nobody's paying any attention to George. I think that he likes it that way. This is ideal for him. <laughs> this guy, Ethan, should move in. Yeah, but he doesn't seem happy. He seems annoyed that Ethan is there. I don't think he views Ethan as a threat. Mm-hmm. So I think he's more annoyed by the other person on the couch. Yeah. Oh, he's more annoyed by Susan. Okay. I mean, at this point, he's got he's only got a few episodes left before the wedding. He's really running out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we go back to Kramer. He is locked out of his apartment. He can't get back in. And he is looking for the spare key from Jerry. Jerry doesn't have it. And the problem is that Kramer left his key on the key ring when he parked his car at the Jiffy Park. And now Jerry can't help him out. His only key. His only key, his only key. Where did the keys, the spare keys end up at, back at the end of season three? Uh, we have a lot of uh, people who, who've kept track of the keys. So do you want to hold that? Yeah, let's the, we'll put the a mailbag. Yes. Yeah. And we'll get to that. All right. So uh, the problem is that Jerry doesn't want to drive him down to 12th Avenue to go to the Jiffy Park. And so he's going to call George. Jerry says, no way George is going to want to do that. He calls up George. George instantly is ready to go. Yes, please. Yeah, this is the ultimate come with guy. Like you're he's helping you out by making letting him come with you. Okay. now that being said, isn't George's car also at the Jiffy Park? All right. So this is insanely complicated, right? Yes. Um, I I don't know. I don't know really how to answer that. But um, I I guess maybe we should go straight to the mailbag here and see who who has a. An answer because this is you can't really go forward past this. It's okay. The, the writers definitely made a mistake or two here. <laughs> okay. So do you have something that you want to touch on now, or you just want to uh, that we'll again address this later? No, I think well, this. I think we should get this is like uh, this is like the elephant in the room. I think we have to discuss this. Okay. What do you got? All right. So Chester writes in and he says Kramer calls George to drive him to Jiffy Park to get Kramer's car. That means George's car is parked near George's apartment, but when they get there. And for the rest of the episode, it's clear that George also parks there. If George's car is parked at the same lot as Kramer's car, how did George and Kramer drive there in George's car? That's a good point. The only thing that I could think of that might make sense is that George had somewhere else to go and didn't want to lock his car up at Jiffy Park for the rest of the night. So he was sort of like in between errands. And then at the end of the day, he was going to bring his car back to Jiffy Park and then... I don't know, take a taxi back to his house. Right. It's and we don't how far away is Jiffy Park? Well they say it's on twelfth Avenue, so it's 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 a it's a bus ride at the least, as they say, yes. right? Or a cab ride. Does Chester have George's apartment on the map? Uh, do you want do you here's while we're on Chester, I'll it's he doesn't have George's apartment on the map per se, but he's got this. Mm-hmm. Jerry and Kramer say that Jiffy Park is on twelfth Avenue. There is no twelfth Avenue upper west side, obviously, mm. Chester. <laughs> Technically, there's 12th Avenue in Manhattan, but it's called the West Side Highway. Uh, okay. Seriously, have you ever heard someone refer to 12th? Oh, this might be less helpful than I thought. But Jester says, furthermore, if Kramer was parking on 12th Avenue in Manhattan, Jerry and, Kramer on the, Jerry and Kramer on the Upper West Side wouldn't complain about the lot being four blocks west on 12th Avenue. They'd complain about it being 35 plus blocks downtown. And if it was downtown, then it does indeed make no sense for Kramer to be parking there, let alone George. All right. So no help from Chester. But I, we don't know how... 
we don't know how far uh, we don't know how far it is, but I I guess it's it's not such a hole in the sense that like it's not a plot hole that George can park there, but also if there's a spot on the street, why not take it? Mm-hmm. You have the Jiffy Parks spot for you know the alternate side days when it's just impossible to find the spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right so they're driving in the car george and kramer and kramer's playing with all of the stations and he can't pick an fm radio station maybe one of the more dated things we've talked about in a while on seinfeld yeah i can't remember the last time i've listened to the you know to terrestrial radio yes with the tuner and also that the knob falls off the radio all of those things and then kramer looks down and finds a prophylactic. Yeah, what's weird is there's two things in the scene that are like visual gags, but they don't show us either of them. Like we don't see the tuner fall off and then we just see him see the con, but we don't see it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the there's a condom. We Should we presume it, it has been opened? Oh, yeah. The way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. It's been <laughs> yeah. This is not a matter of uh, that. This is a wrapper. This is the actual device. Yeah. Oh, no question. OK. All right. So we now see Elaine and uh, Craig eating at the coffee shop. Are you buying that swanky Craig is hanging out at Monk's? I mean, is he really swanky? Like you go to a you store like a this and he he seems like a fancy guy. But what is he pulling down? as like a salesman in the suit store, you know, he's not making like seven figs Come working on. on commission. Yeah. So he's a terrible salesman. <laughs> he's offering right. people the stuff for free and he's not even delivering it. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, he's asking Elaine, did you see anything you like? Cause he can get her a discount and she likes this, uh, dress, the Nicole Miller. And so he'll, he's going to take care of it. Uh, yeah, it's never a good thing when somebody says they can take care of it. Yeah. All right. Well, here comes Jerry. And so he comes in and he's wearing the blazer and he wants to know to Craig. Hey, how did you know she wasn't my girlfriend? Um, yeah. I mean, listen, a guy like Craig with the ponytail, he'll steal your girlfriend. Mr. Steal your girl. That's right. That's that's, that's Craig. <laughs> yes. And so he says, uh, oh, um, I could sense it. And Jerry's like, hey, just so you know. We used to go out and we went way out and wild, which is which is worse, way out and wild or hot and heavy. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I feel like hot and heavy is pretty standard. I feel like way out and wild is like there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then this girl comes in and as Elaine is standing in between Jerry and Craig, she says, would you like to buy a rose for your wife? And Jerry is getting upset. How do you know she's not my wife? Yeah, it's a pretty big assumption. Wife. Mm-hmm. that's right i do think that she was standing closer to craig than she was to jerry to be fair yeah but why are they wives and not you know fiancés or boyfriend girlfriend right right like i don't think it was quite a 50 50 ball between jerry and craig in that moment yeah well you got to go as generic as possible especially in 2016 mm-hmm. all right so we go to george at the jiffy park and so he's talking to the guy at the parking garage and he wants to know how did this condom get into his car and boy the guy at the jiffy park is really very nonchalant about everything that's going on here in this episode i mean here's the thing he knows he runs the shadiest business imaginable right. he can't engage with every car- with every customer because the customer is here always right like every every complaint they have is totally legitimate like he should not be allowing their 
you know, their cars to tur- to be turned into whorehouses, as George says. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, like, it's insane. So this there's no way this guy shouldn't even be at the gate. You know, I guess he's there. He's got to take people's money and stuff. But like he shouldn't even he shouldn't even be engaging because he's got nothing to argue. Right. Keith, is this funny if we updated this episode to 2016 and this was happening in George's apartment, which he opened up as an Airbnb? Yeah, I think you could. I think you could probably do something with a sharing economy type of thing like an Airbnb or because I think that, that those cases have been well documented about people that are giving using you know, opening up their homes for Airbnb and people are using them as brothels. Really? Is that is that like a common thing or it just has <laughs> happened? Yeah, I think that that's really the concern that, that that's turning into one of the bees. Oh, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think people are very concerned about that. I think that's like you you to like uh like promise that you that's not what you're doing. Yeah. From the New yeah, York Post feel- back in back in April 2014, uh hookers turning Airbnb apartments into brothels. I feel like those people get like one star though and then who rents to them the next yeah. time. From September 2016 in the same New York Post, my Airbnb rental turned out to be a secret brothel. Now I will say about the New York Post, I've noticed cuz I I've always read the Post. When they get their teeth into something, they'll write 30 articles about it. Yes, yes. And also, like, if you're a publicist, you can, like, buy them off to write any (laughs) – like, there's a TV show that nobody watches called um, Married at First Sight. Mm -hmm. And if you go to the Post website, at least once a week, there'll be an article about that show on the site. (laughs) Why? It's, It's, like, not even one of the 500 most popular shows on TV. Why do they cover it weekly? As like one of their main stories, <laughs> this, this tiny reality show on like the FYI network, yeah. because there's some publicist thing like or they'll go, they'll go after people the same way. We're like six days in a row. They'll run like 90 percent the same article with a different headline about some celebrity that they hate. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> like Alec Baldwin uh, or something. Yeah. Also from vice.com when strangers run a brothel in your house and other traumatizing Airbnb experiences. So I think that that is a much more common experience. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think, yeah, that may, if you updated it, that might work even better. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the guy at the Jiffy park is really not having anything. So he's like, um, like, I don't know. Like it's New York city. Things happen. You get stuff stuck to your shoe. You do. Yeah, And this, I mean, this is still like, you know, practically the mid nineties, like, yes, Giuliani's taken over, but like the whole city hasn't been transformed yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, these these sort of things still happen on the outskirts of town, like 12th Avenue. Yeah. I mean, what kind of place is this where he's like saying like, hey, come on, guy, I just ha- ha- have some T-shirts. Uh, and then Kramer's like, hey, well, I need my car and I need my keys uh, or I can't get into my apartment. And the guy's like, ah, take this uh, pink Cadillac. <laughs> I, this is like a Ponzi scheme of cars. Like then he has to give the next guy. The pink Cadillac guy, like a better car than the pink Cadillac. Yeah. You know, and then the guy with the best car comes and he's out of luck. Yeah. It's like, hey, you like Cadillacs? Here, take this one. I mean, it's amazing. No one calls the police on them also. Yeah. <laughs> well, the police do show up at the end of the episode. We don't know how they got there. Right. They're there on a sting. No, they're not. They're, they're not concerned about the customers. Yeah. All right. So two prostitutes end up walking by. And so that they're curious as to what's going on. And George is going to stick around and investigate. Yeah, I mean, like, they, the guy's not even going to let George stay there. <laughs> right. What, what's going to happen? Like, that guy's going to get, George is going to get killed if he keeps hanging out in this place. Right. We go back to Jerry's apartment, and Elaine is telling Jerry about how she, he was wrong about Craig. 
And Jerry says, well, what about the ponytail? And Elaine says, well, he promised to get me a discount on the dress. And Jerry is saying that Elaine is being worked here, that he is going to dangle that dress over her head up until the point that she goes all the way. Right. I mean, I guess that's the end game, I guess, you know, because ultimately, like at a certain point, she's going to give up on the dress. Mm -hmm. Right. So he is using the lore of the dress. Now, it seemed like that he was kind of made in the shade. No, that I mean, why? Why get involved with this dress business? How was he made in the shade? You mean they hit it off. They they right, have the right. great chemistry in the first scene sure. that we meet them. There's no mention of the dress. There's no mention of a discount. There's nothing. It's just, hey, let me get your phone number. Seems like that they are going to have a great relationship. All of a sudden, he interjects this business about, hey, I can get you a great discount on the dress that you want. It's no problem. I'll take care of it. Seems like that the relationship was going fine. It was in the right direction. The trajectory was good on everything until he ends up screwing it up with the dress. And now Elaine's like, well, I don't know if I should I go all the way with him because now people are putting the idea in her head that if you sleep with him, then you won't get the dress. And it's almost like a hostage negotiation of you have to like, okay, put the dress on the table. Okay, step back. All right. Now disrobe. Yeah. The the thing is with the dress, I don't I I think that the have you met any over promisers? Overpromisers, yes. Craig is an overpromiser. Like the, I know people, and it's a certain type of person who like promise things that are totally unnecessary and that they're never going to come through with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just say it in casual conversation, and it's like, oh, like yeah, hey, do you want the, like I'll get you one of those, or like hey, if you ever need you know tickets to like such and such team, ask me. But then you ask them, and they're like, oh no, 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 sorry, I, I, did I say that? Uh, I can't get those tickets. Or you should ask me for the last game. Okay. Um, so he's an overpromiser. Yeah. All right. So we cut to Kramer with Ethan at the stage and we get to see the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Keith, you seemed last week to know a lot about the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Could you give us the backstory on what this is? Well, I don't know the play as much as I know the story from the Old Testament. So what is the story from the Old Testament? Because if you are sort of a a rube like me, then you don't even know that much. Okay. so uh, Jacob, you know, Jacob. Mm. <laughs> you know Jacob from Lost, right? Right. So his his you know his namesake. Yes. Uh, so Jacob has twelve. Jacob's sons. ladder. Yeah, Jacob's ladder. Yeah. Um. His 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 father was Isaac, and then Jacob comes along. Uh. He has twelve sons. Uh. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Hudi, Zachar, Zvul, and Dun, Naftali, Gadasher, Yosef, Midyamin, and then uh, there's a little bit of a show off move. Keith. And then, uh, but it's like that's like first grade if you're honestly <laughs> yes in. Um, like literally my seven-year-old could do it and maybe my two-year-old could do that. Um, the, um, 11th son is Joseph and he was Jacob's, he was Jacob's favorite. So why? I don't know. Uh, Like why am I my parents' least favorite? It's a hard (laughs) question. And, and so he got, he, you know, he made him this coat and then his other brothers, the old, the 10 older one, they got jealous. Mm -hmm. And so uh, some of them uh, threw him in a pit. And they thought he died, and he ended up uh, going to Egypt and becoming like the number two there behind over the, the Pharaoh. coat. Yeah, they threw him in the pit over the coat. They were very upset about the coat. The I think coat's it, not the even coat, nice. Well, this wasn't the actual coat from the Seinfeld episode. Okay, and then and then they thought he was dead, but he was really alive and like becoming a power player in Egypt. And then they they eventually, when there's a famine, they go to Egypt and they they find him there and uh, they reconcile and stuff like that. 
Okay. Yeah. You say so. <laughs> but why, why is it a technicolor dream coat? Why does it have to be? It's a multi- fancy coat. It's it's a fancy coat. I don't know what the play's about, so I'm not sure what angle the play's taken. Why does Kramer want to uh, see the coat so badly? Why does he want to wear it? I think the coat is like the centerpiece of the play. So I, I think Kramer realizes like, oh, that's probably a cool coat. Yeah. Okay. We don't even know if Kramer ever saw the play <laughs> because maybe, you know, maybe the Wigmaster is also an overpromiser who said because he said, oh, yeah, I can get you tickets. But maybe he never even gotten the tickets, right? We're not sure that Kramer even saw the play. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the Jiffy Park. And George is asking some questions of one of the women of ill repute. Is that OK to say? Yeah, I don't know if we have to be like super PC with those types now. Like, I don't know if I'm if I need to be politically correct about a prostitute in terms of what mm. they do. Like, why? Who am I to say that their repute is ill? Yeah, I guess that's just their job. Okay. So, they, they think your job is a vil repute. Yes. Uh, sex worker. Is that is it? I mean, what is the politically correct term? I'm not sure. How about be, someone who's more woke than us? Write in and let us know. Yeah, let us know. I mean, I don't. Sometimes I might say the wrong thing, but it's not because right. I have ill will in my heart. It's just from no. out of a place of ignorance of like, OK, you I have didn't know. Will in, right. If yeah, I knew the right thing to heart, say, I would it. always say the right thing. It just comes from a oh, place right. of that. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. We're as woke as the next guy in the street, but not as woke as like the most woke people around. Right. Right. I mean, is there let me just look look this up because I'd hate to be on the wrong. So politically, we're not going to get any any flack for, for not knowing this. I mean, you don't know who our listeners are. I feel like we've said much worse and got no feedback on okay. stuff like that. OK. Um, let's see. What is the polite name for a prostitute? Just I'm trying to see. And hmm, this doesn't look like this is uh, going to be that fruitful. Uh, no, hooker is worse, right? Hooker is is worse. Yeah, that's like the H word. Now. That's like that's like that slang. Anymore. OK, Yeah, I don't think you do that anymore. All right. Is it just prostitute? Escort. What an escort. Yeah. But does that describe all of them? Mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I think that, that you could be an escort and not necessarily have to have sex with anybody. Right. Yes. Yeah. See, I, right. I think there's different levels. Yes. So um, I think it might just be a sex worker. Yeah. It's not like of the night. I think that's old of, of the night. Yeah. Because you could work in the day. Sure. Yeah. That, that really leaves out half the people. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So, again, if any of our listeners, maybe, um, you know, some of our millennial listeners could uh, could tell us uh, millennial Max, maybe hopefully. I mean, he, he's under it. I don't know. Well, I guess he's of age. Uh, well, I guess it's illegal. I don't know. What is there an age? To, why? Why would millennial Max know this of all of our people? Because he's he's our, he's the only <laughs> listener that has millennial in their name. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully he knows the least about this sort of thing. See, Here's an article from junkie dot com. Why sex work is a terrible analogy and prostitute is a slur. Yeah, that's like my New York Times, junkie.com. <laughs> With two E's. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, so they're even like, they, on this website, the word prostitute, they even, they put like the ampersand or the star symbol on the O. It's like it's a, like it's a curse word. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, that's like hateful stuff. We can't say that anymore. <laughs> oh, I don't want to say hate speech. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah no we're 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 pc here yeah do you okay. know what i think our move is like politically yes what's what's the move i think i really i've been thinking about this like for the two of us like you have like the alt-right you know right and then on the left you have like there's no they don't have a good name i guess like the social justice warriors like the far left i don't know what you'd yeah, yeah what you'd i think, the, I think far, far left. left yeah 
So I think there's a real soft spot for us if we could be the alt center. Alt center. Okay. You and I. What and kind of stuff do we talk about? So I think like the mo- the center is like mostly moderates. And then you'll hear people say like, you know, moderates will say like, oh, man, I wish we had better choices. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't like Hillary, but I also don't care about Trump. I don't want to vote for either of them. That's what okay. they say. Right. Yeah. They want to vote I for think- Ken Bone. Right. I, I think the alt center is the opposite. I think we love both of them. <laughs> oh, so how much. do we decide between Trump we and Hillary? Can't. It's like we're, we're like they're both so good. <laughs> we're retweeting everything positive about both of them. <laughs> we're like, you know, we, we don't even care who wins because either one like it's a win win. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish they could be co-presidents. You know, Too bad they that would be combine the ticket. That would be a really good like uh, like a knockoff of Veep, like a Showtime right. sitcom, like co presidents with Hillary and Trump both getting right. in there. Like, and we, it, we are like going and, and getting like the WikiLeaks like stuff of the when uh, Trump and Hillary used to be friends and like retweeting those sure. pictures. Like, uh, like only look, <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> only positivity, and like it really doesn't matter who wins. Like, which whichever candidate wins will end up being the fifth face on Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, so you're with me. You're, you're I with am me with you. Center. I am I with think you. This is a good idea. Yeah, I think we so. could really stake out a claim here that nobody else is. The Internet doesn't have a lot of like available space, but I feel like here <laughs> we could really be the first. We could be pioneers. Yeah, I think the alt center is really going to take off. <laughs> yeah, but we might. not. It's such a good idea. I feel like maybe we should delete it from the podcast and like, you know, we don't want someone to steal our idea. <laughs> Well, we'll have to see what the alt center position is on a lot of issues. We need to really workshop this and see if we can really get on the ticket for 2020. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, Although why we, would we, we need to get on the ticket? It's so good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And even Gary Johnson. Great. Jill Stein. Amazing. They're, they're all amazing. Everybody is really good. Everybody's, it's a, a salon of ideas. An embarrassment of riches running for president <laughs> this year. What deficit? Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and go back to George talking about this woman of of uh, this sex worker, professional sex worker, woman of valor. Yes. Okay. Uh, So George is speaking with this woman and uh, he has a lot of questions for her. And she's saying to him, hey, are you a cop? And he says no, which I think is actually not canon. I think you could still be a cop and then uh, say you're not. Yeah, I think that's something that like everyone learns in fourth grade, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. At least according to Breaking Bad, this is what I know. And in his questioning, uh, when she asks him, are you a cop? He says, no, I work for the Yankees. And she says, they stink. Yeah, you'd think that would impress people more, but he never really uh, gets, you know, gets anywhere with the Yankee stuff. I guess they weren't good enough. Two years later, if he had still had the job, he really would have been all over the place working for the Yankees. Right, right. They would have got his card. And... <laughs> Because uh, probably multiple Yankees would probably want to meet some of these ladies, right? Oh, you think he would have been a go-between with the woman? <laughs> sure. Well, A-Rod's not going to get there for eight more years. Oh, I don't think A-Rod is that type of guy. <laughs> you think Jeter's going to send her a fruit basket? <laughs> An autographed top Derek Jeter card or whatever he would send? <laughs> I, so, I, I don't want to defame people, but I like... You know, if we had more time, I feel like we could go through the 1996 roster and decide who would be the most likely go between for George and this lady. But sure, I, I don't think sure. we'll talk about yeah. it. All right. So George says to her, I was wondering if you and your friends are doing business here at the Jiffy Park. Uh, you know what the people call it? Turn tricks. And he says, I found a condom in my car. I'm not saying it's yours, but I uh, want to know if I should change parking lots. Um, 
uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, I don't, like, why does he care? He's such a neat freak. <laughs> well, I think you would care. <laughs> would you care? I would care. No, of course I would care. But I, the bigger issue is the fact that you can't get your cars out. <laughs> yeah, that, they the, might <laughs> the bigger problem is that sometimes you go there and they tell you you can't have your car. That's a big problem. And but, two, but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like I, you know, sometimes you walk around the city and you see this like really tightly packed in lots and I've seen them maneuver it. But like there is a thing where you say, hey, can I have my car? And it's like, OK, but we're gonna have to move like 30 cars to squeeze your car out of there. Mm -hmm. It's in the back. But I do think like reputable places will say like, when do you expect it back? You know, and they sort of do it in that order. Yes, I think so. You sort of like give a drop off time and you can only screw it up if it's like, hey, I know I said I was going to be back at six, but I need oh, a yeah, car if now. If you do that, you're in trouble because you're in the way back. Yeah. All right. So George starts trying to give her money to get information out of her. He says, what do you want? 15, 20. And all of a sudden, Susan shows up. Never Hi, honey. explained why. <laughs> Never explain why, never explain how she got there, what she even needed. It's just like, oh, okay, well, this would be good if Susan walked up right at this moment. They, they really needed to thread this. Like, George runs out. They could have at least said, Susan, say, like, wait, I need to, you know, tell you something or where are you going? I have to give, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You, it's not a cartoon, right? We can't just have Susan showing up in the middle of nowhere for no reason. And it's never acknowledged. Like, Susan could have been like, hey, honey, I want you left like. You dropped your wallet as you were leaving. I wanted to bring it to you. Something like that. You know, there's nothing. There's no reason. How did she even get to the Jiffy Park? I mean, it's a car ride to get there. Did she take a taxi to the Jiffy Park to go meet George? It wasn't like he was expecting her for any reason. And then after the rabbi scene, going back to the beginning of this season, where George allegedly said to Elaine, is it cheating if it's with a prostitute? And she saw that on TV. She really doesn't have a lot of follow-up questions about this. No, very understanding lady. Very understanding. And then this is even crazier, Keith, because then we go back to George and Susan's apartment, and Susan starts off saying like, hey, so you're telling me the truth. I need to be able to trust you. If I can't trust you, there's no way this can work. And then all of a sudden, George is like, well, if you need to think about it. And then Susan is like, no, no, no I don't need to think about it. That's fine. <laughs> you know, she is like, I really need to be able to trust you. And then she's sort of like dropping the matter after that. I think she doesn't trust him. I just think she's so desperate to get this wedding on with it. And she'll view it as such a failure if she has to call it off that it's not even on the table. And like, why think about it? But I can imagine being in that scenario like your wife sneaks up behind you as you're handing a prostitute money. Like mm -hmm. what? There's a zero percent chance that either of us are getting away with that. You know, Keith, I get flack for so much less than that. It's 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 terrible. It's terrible. Believe me, <laughs> it's I, I don't even know what would happen if I even was like uh, parking my car at this parking lot. Your marriage somehow survived. You would be hearing about it for decades. Yes. Oh, no, please. The, the, I would be lucky if I could just get away. Right. And literally, like if your wife wanted anything like, uh, hey, do you mind like getting pizza from that pizza store that's 45 minutes away from me? I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, nah. And she'd be like, remember that what I caught you doing a few weeks ago? You'd mm -hmm. be living off of it for the rest of your life. Oh, you mean like giving money to hookers in parking lots? Like it wasn't it. That first off, it's a sex worker. She's not. That's, a, that's offensive to say prostitute. Yeah, I, I feel like it would be game over. For she would never that. be alt center. No, she, I don't think I don't think she's chill enough to be in the alt center. There's no room for her alt center. 
I, no, she's the opposite. She hates everybody. Yes, <laughs> we need. We're the party of like uh, of of love. We want we we want every candidate, and we think yes, we're pro Kardashian. She's already out. Pro Kardashian. Everything is awesome. That is our Everything motto. Is awesome, including the Kardashians, and we don't believe in any of the conspiracy theories. So. <laughs> yes, it's a terrible <laughs> thing that happened to them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so we go back to Craig and Elaine, and of course uh, that. Uh, Craig is saying that the dresses uh, will arrive soon. They're from Milan, uh, but they're still not going to be there in time. Still taking a long time for the dresses. They coming, they're coming by boat. Yes. It takes a long time with the waves and everything. But now we meet another guy. Here is Ian, not Ian. It's Ian from England. I feel like this is where it goes off the rails. Once like Craig and the Wigmaster start introducing their friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian, uh hey come to the store i'll get you a discount yeah so again he's just an overpromiser. it's just that's his thing hey come to the store i'll get you a discount so what does he do when Ian comes to the store like i understand with elaine he's trying to get her to have sex with him okay there is no dress it's all just a big scam what is the long con with Ian? i, I think friendship like i don't know friendship like, like, friendship i don't know I don't uh, there's again he he's he's has it he has a problem an illness like he just overpromises to people I guess so all right <laughs> so we go back to Jerry's house and he's talking with Kramer and Jerry decides he's going to return the jacket he's going to put this guy at a commission I mean, what kind of commission does do you do you get on like selling a uh, suit coat I have no idea 20% I don't know like this guy looks all fancy but that can't be such a good job <laughs> it can't be a great job but I got to sell a lot of these coats to really make any money yeah all right so we see that Kramer says he's going to turn in of course Kramer can't get in his apartment still and now here's Kramer who was on Da Vinci sleep uh what was that just last week Last week. Yeah. So now he's going to bed at nine o'clock today. I mean, he's still tired from no, not sleeping. Yes. And so that he tells Jerry that he Jerry can go into his bedroom and read. Uh, yeah, I do like like him bossing Jerry around. I mean, there's really just one key. I guess so. Well, we'll find out in the voicemails or in the emails. Yeah, we have some key theories. But I, I you know, I, it isn't such a big deal. Yeah. Like Jerry should just go. But Jerry doesn't have a TV in his bedroom, right? No, I don't think so. Mm. so jerry's rich he should really have a second bedroom apartment <laughs> like how many times has it come up in the last few weeks his parents were just here like buy it get a second bedroom you know right or like you think he should get another apartment in the building yeah move up a couple floors get a get an apartment with two bedrooms or even like a one and a half that just could fit a couple beds in it they call it like a junior four in the city and you don't have to worry about you know having the clown sleep on your couch every night <laughs> Yeah, Kramer's like kicking the couch. He's not going to fit. He says to Jerry, hey, maybe I should just sleep in your room with you. Now, he doesn't even offer like, hey, why don't you sleep on the couch? He wants to sleep in bed with Jerry. Why don't you sleep on the couch? That's not a great offer. And what would you rather do? Would you rather let Kramer sleep in your bed and you sleep on the couch or sleep in your bed with Kramer? Depends how big the bed is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like a very big bed. If it's a twin, then I think, yeah, and Kramer's a big dude. I don't think Jerry has a to twin. Like, I mean, yeah, I think at, at the very least he has a full size bed, potentially yeah. a queen, but I think it's a full. Probably just sleep in the same bed. Yeah. I don't know. It depends if Kramer has the Jimmy legs or not. Yeah, I, I feel like Kramer, like even though he's kind of like shady, I feel like he's clean enough. You probably if you sleep in the same bed, you'll be fine. Yes. Okay. 
So Elaine comes in and uh, she says that uh, she has Squire's walking stick. Uh, she had to write about it for the catalog. She ends up giving it to Kramer. It's just that when you know where this is going, it's like all of the pimp items that now can I say pimp? Is that okay? Yeah, I think that's still cool. Okay, Then, uh, you know, all of because it's a compliment too. also. It's like, hey, Keeb, you're like a real pimp. Yeah, it's positive, And that's what we're about. Right. It's especially in the alt center. So that's right. When you, you know, it's, he's getting all of the pimp accessories here in the episode. It's sort of like, uh, you know, just the idea of the squires walking stick is like, if you know where, where it's going, not a lot of punch. It's, yeah, it's, it's very telegraphed. I mean, like maybe the first time you see it, you don't know, but you're right. Every, everything, which is why it's so insane that there's not more of an emphasis on like the wig becoming part of Kramer's getup. Mm hmm. All right, so Elaine says, hey, what gives? I saw Craig tell a man on the street he was going to give him a discount. Uh, so Jerry, obviously, he does not have ill intentions because he promised it to a man also. And Jerry says, don't you see? It's all a big scam. Uh, yeah, no, I, I listen. Jerry's right here. Come on. Yeah. Now Kramer comes in and Kramer's actually uh, rather offensive here. He says, uh, perhaps he thinks you're working him for the discount, shaking that little butt of yours into big, big savings. And then when you get it, you know, you drop him like a hot potato. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little over the top, Kramer. Yeah. And he says, can't speak like that to a lady. You need to work on your trust. And then and only then will there be a free exchange of sex and discounts. <laughs> Those are the cornerstones of a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very funny line, but I mean, really, he is calling Elaine a sex worker. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're close enough with someone, you could call them whatever you want, and it's not so offensive, right? It just, it did not start this way. Elaine was not eyeing this guy and saying, like, hey, can I get a free dress? But Kramer doesn't know that. No. So we go to Jerry and Kramer in bed, and now Kramer can't sleep. Kramer wanted to go to bed at 9 o'clock. Now it's nighttime. He can't sleep. And how did this happen, though? We saw Jerry just saying, there's no way I'm letting you in my bed. And now here is Kramer in Jerry's bed. Kramer's very persistent. Very persistent. And so he can't sleep and he's reading the magazine. Uh, patio furniture's on sale. Uh, yeah. He should at least be reading the Jay Peterman catalog. Yeah, you would think so. Okay. That'll put you right to sleep. We go back to Jiffy Park next day. And George is trying to talk to the guy at Jiffy Park. Excuse me, I think there's a mistake. I want my deposit back. And the guy says, no, we can't give you your deposit back. Didn't you re read the contract? Uh, and George says... Uh, what, what does it say about in the contract about running a, a whorehouse in my car? Yeah, this guy is, at, at, you know, I, we like to talk about like who the worst people are who we've seen on the show. I don't I don't want to count this guy because he's just a businessman. But, yes. you know, pretty right. indifferent towards the needs of his uh, clients. Keith, how culpable is this guy now? Is he actually the person running the sex trade in the cars or is he just a guy who has the garage, who has all the keys to the car. There's somebody else who's running the whole sex trade and he's just getting paid to look the other way. It's a good question. I, you know, this is big business like Manhattan parking lots. This guy does not own the parking lot, mm -hmm. but it's possible that the owner is like an absentee owner and that he's this general manager of the parking lot. Oh, interesting. And that, he, and that he, so he is, you know, he's got the, you know, he's got no fear that it's going to, you know, that the, the owner is going to come around to the parking lot to check on it. Like, why would somebody do that? Um, so I, I think he thinks he's got the, you know, he's got the lay of the land here and he can just do whatever he wants. So I feel like he's the manager and he's running this, uh, 
Maybe maybe he's got like a partner, but they're running this uh, unless there's like the mafia involved or something. I don't know. He doesn't really strike me as the guy who is running this whole operation. I don't, I don't think that he is looks again. What do I know? But I don't think that he's, uh, you know, running <laughs> this whole operation. I think he's just letting if anything, maybe he doesn't own the lot. Maybe he's just the manager. But I think he is uh, looking the other way as somebody who is organizing this is, you know, telling everybody where to go. Uh, you could be right. I, he, he doesn't seem like he has the initiative. You know, like right. my principal in high school once said to a kid who he didn't think was responsible for something wrong we did. Uh, you're not intelligent enough to be the brains of this operation. <laughs> That's true. So the guy says to George, hey, take it up with consumer affairs. Uh, how the, you would never have a person say that now, right? No, like, don't tell on us. Like, yeah, give us a bad review and Yelp, please. Yeah. And I think that is a sign of how far along we've come here in 2016, 20 years after this episode, where that it would, you would never tell anybody. It's like, it would be like, whatever you do, just don't just talk about this on social media. Right. That would be the opposite. George would say, I'm going to give you like a one star review on Yelp and have my friends do it also. And they'd be like, oh, no, no, no. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah. So I do think that this is just another sign here for our alt center campaign of that. How much progress we've made. Yes, it's true. You ever see like a bad Yelp review and then the business writes back and like has an argument. Yes. Yes. So I could I could see here like George gives the one star review and this guy writes in is like, Everything this guy says is true. We do run a prostitution ring. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Yes. You need to park your car somewhere. <laughs> so then uh, George, is, is he wants his car. They said, please bear with us. And uh, George says, like, bear with us. There's a parking lot. People are supposed to be able to get their cars. And I like that the guy says, oh, ideally. <laughs> yeah. Pretty nonchalant. So why thing. can't some people get their cars? Is it really? Is it just? Uh, is there sex being had on the car in the cars? Is it? Does he? Is he just giving the cars to certain people? Are they not clean? Some of the cars. Like what is going on here? Why can't they get cars? No, I don't think he cares about the cleanliness. I think it's the same way. You know, Kramer got someone else's car. Someone has George's car. It's just total chaos. <laughs> They're giving. You know, if if cars are backed up in the you know and and stuck in the back of the lot. You just give keep giving out cars from the front and, and, you know, it just works its way up. Yeah. I just don't know how this place is going to stay in business. Like, I think that you would probably if you were if you were running this prostitution ring out of the parking garage and it was hypothetically a good business, like, wouldn't you want to, like, keep your nose clean on the actual parking part of it. Sort of like, you know, where you're running some sort of like money laundering operation. Like, don't you want to sort of like be above board with the actual face of the business as opposed to sort of just being sort of willy nilly with both ends and sort of maybe getting shut down for the parking garage side of things. I think you're like assigning the the parking lot people better judgment than they actually have. Like, <laughs> they're the same people who had this idea to like make this parking lot into, you know, into like a prostitution ring, basically. Right. And and you're thinking like, well, why don't they just clean up their act? Well, that's just who they are. Yeah. I mean, if you could just get the parking garage thing right, then you could just sort of do your prostitution ring and nobody's going to really notice. But once you're telling the people that are unhappy with the Get, you know, getting their cars in and out. Hey, call Better Business Bureau. And, that, you know, it just seems like a, a whole like uh, just spitting into the wind. Yeah, I, I think I, I just don't think they're competent enough to handle this. And maybe it was just a terrible parking lot and they needed to, like, make extra money. And that's where this came in. Yeah. 
All right. So Jerry ends up going to the clothing store and uh, he tells the woman in the story and no sign of Craig now. And he says he wants to return this item. She says, why? He says, for spite. And we get into a whole thing about how you can't return a clothing item for spite. Keith, what's your take on this part of the story? I mean, it's bananas. Like you could return for anything. I, I was just reading an article. There's some store. I forget what it is. It's some like a winter closed store. And they'll like let you return stuff like 40 years in advance, like 40 years later with no questions asked. You know, you could use a tent and then when it breaks after like, you know, from 1973, you just bring it back. And I, I like there's like there's no return policy. Like some places have strict return policies. Why would they care about this spite thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it becomes a whole big thing where we spend a few minutes where Jerry says, no, I just I, I don't like it anymore. I said, no, no. You said spite. You said spite. So now you can't return it. Is Jerry really spiting him? Like if I, I don't know how commission works, but if I make a sale and the person returns it, I feel like I still get to keep the commission. No, no, I don't think so. They like take back my commission if he returns it. I don't think you get it the day of the, the of the sale. I don't. Yeah, but think what so. if they have like a sixty day policy? Like at some point, I've gotten paid my commission, right? Mm, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure we have listeners that be able to tell you this, but yeah. I think that the sale, the transaction, has to go through. I think that people probably would have be you know scamming the system if that was the case. You're probably yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's actually a really good point. <laughs> I think you. I think we just came up with a really good business idea, but probably someone's thought of it before. Yeah, <laughs> should should Craig have been involved in the trying to return the item? I feel like again, no. We're talking, we're talking about we're introducing other friends of Craig. Now we're introducing his coworkers as well. Bob, <laughs> uh, you don't like Craig's coworkers. Um, I if Craig was here, then we wouldn't have the legendary scene of uh, Elaine answering the phone and speaking to Craig's boss for thirty seconds and <laughs> nothing of it. <laughs> okay. So we go back to uh, Kramer with the wig master and the costume designer. They're all having drinks. They're having some champagne coolies. Uh, somebody's walking by and uh, the woman who was with uh, Ethan and Kramer says, hey, get a calendar, honey. It's the 90s. What does it even mean? Uh, it's like saying like she's where I have the dated look. And th so this lady, Charmaine. Yes, she is the costume designer. More like Charmaine. <laughs> okay, so Jerry and Elaine are walking by, and uh, they end up sitting right down with Ethan and Charmaine and Kramer to have some champagne coolies. Does it seems also very out of character for Jerry? Like, oh, great strangers. Oh, sure, let me sit and and have drinks with you. This is like. Jerry and Elaine meeting people from another show in the middle of Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. Like this, like they're like extras on sex in the city or something like what is going on in this scene? OK, so Charmaine, she's the costume designer. She's going to go pick up the old or the new Technicolor dream coat. And now Kramer can wear the old one. I, th I think she's picking up the main one and Kramer can wear the, the Charmaine one, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, and so she says, or Ethan, the wig master, says to Elaine, you have beautiful hair, you could sell it, it would make a brilliant wig. It's a weird thing to say to a lady, like the first second you meet her. Yes, uh, your hair would make a great wig. He must say this to every woman he meets also. He's very fixated on wigs, I guess. Yeah, but like, I'm going to shave all your hair, you know, I'm going to cut off all your hair, you could sell it, it's a bizarre thing to say. Mm -hmm. How much could you get for selling all that hair? It's a big wall of hair. Probably a few thousand dollars. A few thousand dollars, that's pretty good. Get a few uh, Kate Millers. 
Nicole Miller. Yeah, but you got you got no hair to wear. With. <laughs> so what's wrong with that, Keeve? Nothing. What nothing. are you baldest? Uh, trust me, I'm not a baldist. I wouldn't. I'm not a self-hating baldist. No way. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if the bald people. I like. I'm not bald enough yet. Where like the bo- I could make fun of bald people. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll be like, no, you're not really bald enough. But uh, bald I don't enough. have enough hair to be like in the hair crew anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like a man without a hair island. Yeah, you're in the alt center. That's right. It's <laughs> great to be bald. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have hair. And it's also, you know, not bad to be bald. Yeah, everything's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so Charmaine says, oh, I just remembered I got to get the dream coat from the dry cleaners. And Kramer says, you're going to let me try the other one, right? And she says, okay, be careful with it. It's my only backup. So Kramer gets to walk around in the backup dream coat. And it's such a weird line because like they don't, it's not like he destroys it. So why even mention it's the backup? Like at least create some stakes that he's got the only coat or something. It's like, you know? does Kramer know it looks like a pimp's outfit or does he just oh. think he looks cool as wearing the Technicolor dream coat? Both. Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like is Kramer, is Kramer mistaken for a pimp or is Kramer trying to dress up like a pimp? Because um, I, I think the episode he, plays it that Kramer is not aware of the fact that people think he's a pimp. Yeah, Kramer knows he looks cool. I guess what he thinks he looks like is a good question. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you were wearing a pimp costume and going to a party and then you were like, you know, confused like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a pimp. Like, but Kramer, how could he not know what he looks like? He doesn't walk around with the walking staff the whole episode unless he's wearing the dream coat. Right. Right. So he, he I think I think that leads me to believe he does know. He puts he on a, a woman's hat that blew away. Yeah, I think he knows he's pimp at this point. OK. All right. So Kramer goes with Charmaine to go to the dry cleaner. Elaine also just leaves for no reason to set up this incredible scene of just Jerry and the wig master. Yeah, Jerry and the wig master. Again, you that. Any other time, Jerry would be like, yeah, I really should run. Yeah, it's not like Jerry to stay. <laughs> it's bizarre. All right, so we go to Elaine. She's at her apartment, and Craig is like, boy, I am beat. And uh, it's like, is Craig drugged now in this scene? Why do you How think How many that? champagne coolies did he have? Oh, because he's, he's passed. Like, he's like just making a point of like, oh, I'm so tired. And he's like passed out by the time the phone rings. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't describe. Like, what time like, of day I, is it? It was, uh, it was daytime when Elaine was you know that was on the street i mean he's a lightweight he can't handle day drinking i guess so and so that uh elaine is asking craig when are the nicole millers coming in and he's saying that this is the part where he's talking about the boat and you know it takes a long time because of the waves and all and so she, you know he has no idea when they're coming and it's also that he's yawning yeah elaine's boring him yes Okay, but you know he's not like being like this sexual predator where he's like trying to put the moves on her. Like I don't know what's go- what's going on here. No, nothing's going on. <laughs> this guy, it's this is Spike Ferriston resting on his soup Nazi laurels. He's doing whatever he wants. <laughs> All right, so we go ahead and we see now uh, Ethan is with Jerry and they're having their champagne coolies, and a guy comes over, George Hamilton's personal assistant. Yeah, what a weird like arbitrary thing to say. Yeah. And then this guy ends up asking Ethan out and Jerry is offended again. How do you know that we're not together? But you would think that Ethan would get offended here at this point where here's this, you know, strapping young man and he's asking him out. And here's this straight guy who is not interested in 
Ethan romantically, you would not think unless Ethan is under the impression that, hey, here's this guy who's sitting here buying me drinks. Maybe he does have a thing for me. But you would think at some point that Ethan would say, you know what, Jerry, Uh, it's been nice talking with you, but I'm going to talk with Jesse. Right. Why does he stay there unless he's also drunk from like all these coolies? Yeah. Like, why doesn't he put up more of a fight? I mean, Jerry's a real blocker here. Yeah, and Ethan really does not stand up for himself. <laughs> right. Unless he thinks that Jerry is trying to date him. And if so, then that's a, a very bad job on Jerry because he is uh, leading poor Ethan on. Yeah, that's a good point. It is possible that that uh, that Ethan's like, ooh, maybe Jerry's interested in me. Yeah, he doesn't know Jerry's backstory. He's a thin, neat, single. Not to, uh, you know, stereotype anybody, but sure. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, uh, that was what was said about Jerry back in the outing. The uh, not there's anything wrong with that episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it's also like maybe Ethan's just not interested in this dude. That's also and possible. Jerry's saving him. Yeah. We don't know what their backstory is, but it seems I mean, he seems like a good looking guy. Seems like he has a lot going on. He's George Hamilton's assistant. Yeah. But maybe they've been down this road already. I guess so. I guess so. he's old news. All right. So back at Elaine's house uh, that the phone rings and it's Bob from the Andover shop. And uh, tell Craig he needs to be at work at 11. Whose house are they calling? <laughs> Elaine's house. Why is Craig's boss calling Elaine's house? Yes. Um, How is Craig's boss calling Elaine's house? Yeah. It's not like that's her his emergency contact. Yes. The lady he just met in the store last week. Yes. And so um, anyway, Elaine asks, hey, are the Nicole Millers coming in? And Bob says, no, we have so many. We have so many. And we had them in size four as well. Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, this was a terrible lie by Bob. Yes. By I, Ethan, I mean. Well, I mean, why doesn't Craig, <laughs> why doesn't Craig give Elaine a dress? Because that, he, then they have no nothing to prolong the relationship with. I can get you more dress. Do you oh, like this dress? That's not a bad point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not a car. It's not like, well, but, how many cars does she need? But maybe he's doing that anyway. Maybe it's like, you know, six weeks for this dress. And then, oh, I could get you another. Maybe you're just like trying to squeeze out the, you know, you like somebody and then it's like you're always looking for excuses to see them again. You know, so you do like the leave the some, something at their house move, you know, that mm-hmm. move. Yeah. So it's a, that's what he's doing. He's just like trying to stretch this first dress out for as long as possible. Yeah, this and is then, a dumb plan. Yeah. Listen, he's not he's not the brains. <laughs> and so it turns out he was holding out the dresses and then Elaine looks at Craig and picks up the scissors. Yeah, and then what? <laughs> that, that's really it. <laughs> we just, uh, you know, that uh, that goodbye ponytail. We we assume. Yes. And then so what's Elaine is going to sell his hair for wigs? Mm, not really. Yeah. She's not getting out of their apartment with the ponytail. Yeah. All right. And then we cut to the street and there's a woman in a coat, big gust of wind, hat blows off. Kramer picks it up and now he's got his dream coat. His walking stick and his hat. I like that the the hat never turns the corner. So yes. like the lady can still see Kramer put on the hat and walk away with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that blows like forty feet. Yeah. But like Kramer could probably see the woman looking for her hat if he looks up. Yeah. Uh, so Kramer goes to the parking lot and goes to go pick up the Cadillac, which is not his. Um, no, not he his. just gets. To have it because he has a car in the parking lot. So he gets to keep that. He also keeps the Cadillac at the parking lot and gets to pick it up, I guess, whenever he wants it. And so when he goes in there, he sees uh, something he is not happy about. He sees a woman in the car with a guy. 
And uh, then he is upset. And the woman is then upset with him. Says, uh, hey, you cost me money. And they get into some fisticuffs. And then uh, police stop them. He kind of puts his hand on this lady also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, freeze right there. I mean, what are the police going to do? Like, you know, I would arrest them too. Yeah. And then we end up with, in the tag, uh, you know, mugshot time. And uh, like, hey, all right, you uh, take the hat off. Uh, Turn to your right. You know, turn pimp. And Kramer is crying. I'm not a pimp. Uh, Not the first time we've ended an episode with Kramer being wrongfully accused in a police lineup. No, he's got quite the police record at this point. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. That's the end of the episode. Weird that the ending and then the tag is, uh, you know, still the same joke. Yes, I I don't disagree. Yeah. I feel like I don't know what we could have gone back to, but I don't know if that tag and added anything to it. Like maybe Craig realizing he's got no ponytail. Yeah. Like George sitting and like finding his car and being stuck. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, something about George and Susan's relationship. Mm hmm. I don't know exactly what we're going to do there, but that is the Wigmaster. Weird episode. Yeah, weird episode. Uh, that's the beard that Kramer ends up in the police lineup at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Where he was getting paid $50 to be in the lineup the whole way through. Okay. Um, yeah, this was a, this is a weird one. And really, we spent so much time. And again, I think that there probably is some comedy that comes out of in 1996 yeah. doing material about hookers and pimps and prostitution rings and condoms and stuff like that. That things that they were like, oh, we're getting away with this in primetime TV. But it, you know, I think that the shock value in 2016 is gone. And I don't know you know the if the the jokes are holding up i the shock value definitely gone it's a weird episode because it's some of the like a lot of the bad episodes we talk about just nothing happens we're here there's like a lot going on and maybe they could have like stretched it out more or you know i I, like or cut some of the stuff and focused more on other and like they would have had something there like it's not like they have these like dud storylines they just don't do anything with any of them because there's they're stretched a little thin we're meeting way too many characters yeah you know yeah so what are you gonna do all right keeve uh let's talk this through uh let's grade out these storylines jerry and the crested blazer plus also that he is uh not liking that he's getting emasculated all the time Uh, um i like the idea of him being emasculated but he doesn't have like the media storyline in the world right Mm -hmm. uh so i give jerry a b yeah, I'd say probably a B minus. What about George with the parking garage? Because we really don't see George again uh, towards the end of the episode, right? I mean, we sort of just see George like saying like, hey, give me my car back. And there's really no resolution. I feel like that that's no. probably what you wanted to see. Yeah. George says, uh, you know, they say you can for a couple of days. And then George uh, is never seen again in the last uh, eight, eight scenes in the episode. Yeah, we don't know what happens. Uh, there are deleted scenes. There's one where he tries to break up with Susan. So maybe that would have come at the end of the episode and they just didn't put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as like what we see on screen, uh, C minus for George at best. Yeah. What are you going to do? All right. Uh, sounds about right. Then let's go to Elaine with Craig. I mean, this is almost the A story of the episode. It gets the title. Uh, you know, Craig is annoying. He's not as overbearing as some of the guest stars they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's no real resolution to car cutting the ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not a boring story at all. I'll give Elaine a B. Yeah, I'll give it a C. Craig is so insufferable. Uh, and then what about Kramer ending up as the pimp? 
I, that, that happens to be that it's the best part of the episode, right? Kramer walking down the street with the music playing is pretty it great. It is iconic. Uh, I just don't know how great it is. Uh, you know, Kramer having to sleep with Jerry's apartment is fine. I, I mean, he, he also is not in a ton of scenes in this episode. Um, I, I, I like the, the pimp coat so much. I'll give him a B, like the Technicolor dream coat stuff, but pretty light B. All right. I'll give it a B minus. I'm a little uh, less high on the Technicolor Dreamcoat business and whether, you know, uh, is there intent on what he is doing or not? I don't know. Okay. And it's unclear. All right, Keeve. Overall, where did this land for you in your episode rankings? Uh, Do you want to guess? I guess uh, 120. Ooh, you're really pretty decent at this. 118, I have the Wigmaster at. Um, you know, I, I have it maybe it's not a good episode, but they did try pretty hard. Like it, they were throwing a lot e of for effort, at the board. E for effort. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They just didn't land. OK. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our feedback. That is Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And so here we go. Let's open up the, the mailbag, which we've touched on a few of the uh, mailbag items so far. But we have to go back and kick things off with Johnny DeSilvera, who says, why are George and Kramer the only ones concerned about the hookers and shoddy service at the Jiffy Park? Yeah, I, I do think that they're in they're of the opinion that like they have to be the heroes here and nobody else cares. Mm-hmm. Also, he wants to know, why would Craig's boss have called Elaine's number? And I think that, again, it's 1996 that he knows he's going to Elaine's house. Maybe he doesn't know what time of work he's going to start. So he's like, here, call me at this number and let me know. I mean, it's it's unheard of in 2016 but i think that it might be a real thing in 1996 yeah and also leads credence to like the lens credence the idea that like craig is this horn dog is like hey i'm gonna be at elaine's house you know for today let's uh if you need anything i'll be there if you know what i'm talking about boss <laughs> all right what about courtney and kendall uh they say as girls with clean-cut husbands we weren't fans of the 90s male ponytail sported by craig yes we're also not fine fond of the ponytails more elevated cousin the man bun oh wow have either of you ever gone with a trendy ha- hairstyle, some frosted tips a la early 2000s? I was never cool enough to do that stuff. What no, about you, never. Man? No, I don't have cool enough hair. They also want to know, uh, you, you once mentioned you worked at Old Navy. I don't even remember that. Courtney and Kendall remember a lot of yeah, that's things good. from the podcast. I don't know. I had a summer have- job at Old mm-hmm. Navy. I worked there, I think maybe like the summer of 1998. And it was not that fun of a job. And uh, you got to wear a headset. You know, I kind of like that part of it, but, you know, there wasn't like a lot of chit chat going on in the Old Navy headset that I was allowed to participate in. Nobody really liked me there. I would have liked to have worked the register. I think that that would have been sort of the goal for me to work up the, to the register. So I wasn't on the register. I was just sort of like, you know, putting stuff out or like helping people look for stuff. So, yeah, overall. you should be dealing with with people. That's you should be like cracking dumb jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. I wasn't sure if you were being facetious at first, but I appreciate it. No, that, I'm being serious. Yeah. I think you should be like at the listen, you could still get listen. Things could go bad with the podcast. You could end up at the at the. Uh, yeah, I think like, you know, stuff. Trader Joe's register. I think the cash yeah. register would be like a pretty a pretty sweet spot for me. You ever need a second job. Yeah. So, but you don't have any great retail return stories. I mean, I never was working in that part, you know, that you if you yeah. you would do that at the fr- at the front of the line. So, um, you know, I, I, I was not uh, I don't have that experience. Yeah. What does Dan the Benefactor have to say? OK. Dan the Benefactor says, uh, OK, in terms in terms of Seinfeld, he says, I was confused at how Kramer, a person obsessed with spare keys and the covenant of the key wouldn't make sh- so sure that somebody had a spare key. 
but I think I figured it out. Last week, Kramer got dumped in the Hudson River, and after he gets his uh, back in the building, he goes into Jerry's apartment to tell Jerry what happened. Kramer then tries to get into his apartment and realizes it's locked, then comes back and asks Jerry for the spare key. Then after getting back into his apartment, Kramer uh, forgets to give the spare key back while recovering from his chaotic night. That's why this week, Jerry says that he gave the spare key back to Kramer. Kramer instantly remembers what happened and needs to go to the Jiffy Park. Um, it's a couple a things. good theory. I like it. Good, good things. I don't Did the guys who were leaving lock the door on the way out. I think we see them. It's a good question, right? Did the did the did the people who think that they were throwing Kramer's dead body in the Hudson River lock the door? What would they have locked the door with? Hmm. I think they you, could have pulled the mover like they like chained the door, but then just like left it. But it's not really locked. That's well, a good question. It depends on what the locking mechanism is. If it's just sort of like the lock where it's sort of, but that's really more like on a bathroom door where you sort of like. But if it has like the little thing on the the little hitch on the knob and you just pull it shut and it locks like i know i've got locked out of my house a bunch of times doing that yeah you know no, for mean? sure i don't yeah i uh it's it is a good theory so it's not double locked ideally mm-hmm. if you were moving a dead body out of a house i think you'd want to lock the door so people don't go in there and say like hey where right, is this person right. i lead to the same idea that i think you got to lock the door give by more time that kramer's door is not open that would be you know be very suspicious if his door was just open. Keith, how come you didn't include the part in Dan's email where he talked about uh, his beloved nationals and how good Daniel Murphy is doing? I just I figured it would be dated by the time he yeah. uh, didn't. Daniel yeah. Murphy have like a, a, a real bonehead move on the base paths the other day. cost him the game in the series. I don't know. I, you know, I, once the Mets got knocked out, I'm really trying to stay away from the baseball. I think he honest. did. I think he did. I think in game one, I think he made a bonehead move. Daniel Bur- Murphy, by the way, would not join us in the alt middle. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> Doesn't like everybody. That's what I like. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about Evan in Tuscaloosa? Probably would join us in the alt mill. Evan says, when watching this episode, I noticed that Craig's friend Ian or Ian or whatever it is, mm. uh, is, is played by Norman Brenner, who also made an appearance in The Shoes as a chef who is helping Gail prepare the pasta primavera that Elaine sneezed on, ultimately making Russell Dalrymple ill. So Evan did a little research and found that the Norman Brenner appeared in an extra uh, in nearly 30 episodes of Seinfeld. Although I don't believe he's given a name in any other episode. My question is, do you think he's the best extra in the entire series? My first of all, my answer is the best extra is no, that's Susan. Um, Zing. But, the, but uh, uh, no, we've talked about Norman Brenner before. He is Kramer's stand in and he's frequently in the background of uh, of scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, is he better or worse than the woman that works at Monks? Ruthie Cohn? Yeah. I mean, he, I think he speaks more throughout the course of the series than Ruthie does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And he's got and he plays different roles where he's always a different person, whereas Ruthie is always, you know, Ruthie Cohn. OK, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's take another question. This is from Mark in Massachusetts, who says the Jiffy Park guy appears again next season when we get to Muffin Tops as a worker at Jiffy Dump. When Kramer tends to rid himself of the muffin stumps, do you think that he works at both Jiffy Park and Jiffy Dump? Or do you think that he got fired from Jiffy Park with the number of complaints of used condoms being found in people's cars? First of all, you don't get fired from Jiffy Park and go to Jiffy Dump. Yes, I think right? that, this is one big conglomerate. Well, maybe it's know. sort of like he took like a, a transfer, like a, you know, a dishonorable discharge. Not, again, <laughs> it, like, let's, look. Uh, and I had to step down to a lower position. Yeah, I don't I don't think that dishonorable discharges happen in, <laughs> in like the corporate world where it's like, oh, you used to be, you know, you work at like uh, like the KFC Pizza Hut and like we fired you from the KFC and now you're stuck working at the Pizza Hut. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, like this guy, he's just probably, you know, he, you could get the corporate transfer, I feel like, from Jiffy Park to Jiffy Dump. Okay, fair enough. You don't need a reference? I mean, you work there already. Your boss, <laughs> you know, just uh, your boss tells you like, all right. You're Maybe great. he owns both of them. Maybe Ooh, he's Jiffy. Guy? Maybe Jiffy is his first name. Oh, I don't think that guy's Jiffy. Yeah. Jiffy is, the Jif- it goes all the way to the top with Jiffy. Jiffy you've never seen before. Okay. All right. What about Lindsay? She wants to know if we have any good, annoying house guest stories. Mm. Well, you know, I got my uh, my <laughs> grandmother-in-law here, my mother-in-law. So I'm gonna, I, I can't say anything, you know? Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not really. I don't have too many uh, house guests. <laughs> right. That, well, because you ha- you know, you've had bad, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, experiences. So now you don't allow house guests anymore. That's right. That's right. Uh, Hunter says, have either of you guys ever gone way out and wild with anyone? Uh, for me, the answer is no, Keeve. How about you? Oh, no. I, I don't even... I wish I knew what that meant even. <laughs> yeah. I've never gone way in and mild with anybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> that would be a hashtag if we weren't going to try and push this all center thing. Oh, no. It's a 100% all center. Craig from Vancouver. Someone okay. posted on my uh, on my Facebook page. Yeah. Like a picture of a house. They I guess they live in Vancouver. And they're like, uh, this is like a four million, like a two and a half million dollar house in Vancouver. OK, and basically, basically, like if you don't own a house in Vancouver and you live there, you're never going to own a house unless you're like a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Real estate is insane. Like it would be cheaper to like move to Manhattan and buy an apartment, you know, in, in like uh, on Fifth Avenue. OK. Anyway, I don't know. I feel bad for people living in Vancouver. <laughs> It's very expensive. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> They're not fine. They can't afford houses. It's beautiful there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a great city th- to live on the street. Um, so he says, uh, time for me to, uh, this is the worst thing that Seinfeld's ever done. They brought, this is Craig saying they brought down his name by associating with a horrible person. And he also complains, Craig's are never portrayed well on TV. They're either nerds that nobody likes or jocks that nobody likes. It's annoyed mm-hmm. him a lot throughout his life. What about Australian Survivor? I, come on. <laughs> hopefully hopefully no one gets what about craig t nelson he's not a he's a jock but people like him mm, yeah yeah i don't think craig's are like if you were like we were writing a sitcom and like we're trying to come up with a a nerd name we wouldn't craig isn't that name i yeah, know it's cool not craig's. too nerdy it's not I too nerdy. Cool craig kilborn well i mean I, he's not cool oh come on come on keith i'm, I'm not gonna tolerate that oh he's like he went on uh, bill simmons podcast yes. last year i think like we talked about this Oh, we did. I I don't know what I. <laughs> I, I don't was, sometimes we talk about things and it's not in the podcast, but we definitely talked about it. But also, like sometimes I talk about something with Chester, and I don't remember if it was you or him. You Uh-oh. know, I don't talk to anybody besides you or him. Okay. So I don't know. That's fine. I don't know which one. I, I, he also says that's um, emasculating. Emasculating for you? No, I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to tie it back to the episode. Do you know what emasculating means? <laughs> I do. Unfortunately, right, I what does what does Amir have to say? <laughs> Amir has to say, doesn't the Blazer plotline feel like it should have been written for George? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, Amir. Going back to the store in order to convince the salesman you weren't lying about a Blazer that you're not interested in seems more appropriate for the character who drives two hours uh, to a fake house in the Hamptons. Exactly. Um, Amir also says George really dropped the ball when he gifted the perfect excuse to break off the engagement with Susan. Instead of trying to convince Susan that she shouldn't trust his explanation, why didn't he just admit to being caught trying to pay a hooker for sex? Seems like an easy out. It's a good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. I like that Amir is on the same page as you here also. Yes. Also, he says, uh, why does Kramer even yell at or fight with the hooker and John in the last scene? The pink Cadillac isn't even his car. 
That's not. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you think Ken Bone is too famous to come on this podcast now? Way too famous. You think like when it dies down in a, in like a few months? What if he's a Seinfeld fan? Can we have him on? Yeah, like, but it'd be like in a year. He's booked through the election. He, he I, he's the face of the alt center, actually. Oh, if we could get Ken Bone, then we would be just like uh, forget about it. We'd yeah. be on top of the world. No, because he's an undecided voter. He can't decide. They're both too good. That's his problem. Yeah. It, by the way, it is. He, he's probably like the one person you want to hang out with now because he's not going to be like, you know, bashing, you know, one of the candidates and talking about how great the other candidate is. Like he's the only guy, you know, like you will not. Yeah. He might ask earnest questions about your mm-hmm. about like the election, but he really won't be like he just gives you know, about shoving energy. one candidate. Yeah. He won't be sh- shoving one candidate down your throat. By the way, Keith, I saw today. I'm sure this will be old news by the time the podcast goes up. But I saw that there's a. uh sexy Ken Bone Halloween costumes you could buy. I feel like you could probably make it. <laughs> it's for women. Like, for women. I guess guys could wear it too. Of course. Anyway, I mean, come on. Post-gender. It's 2016. Yes. Um, Do you know I, that I, Ken Bone follows only 38 people and one of them is our own Jen Manning? It's amazing. <laughs> I, I just saw she tweeted that. It's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's really... I've, yeah. I mean, if I... Yeah. If, you know... You know um, like my sister's very into these like Vine stars and YouTube celebrities and like her and a lot of her friends. It's always like, you know, like Justin added me, you know, uh, January 14th, 2012 or so, you know, where he, or he followed me or something. And it's like the highlight of their life when the celebrity like tweets at them or favorites a tweet or something like that. Mm-hmm. So but I, I don't like, you know, they could get Bieber or my sister had that thing with that guy I've never heard of that his name I forget now, but he's like he's got a bunch of million followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I think Ken Bo- Ken Bone beats Bieber at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so like she, who, Jen, she could slide into Ken Bone's DMs whenever she wants. That's yes, insane. she could. Um, so Ken Bone is at 180k on the followers. What is the what's the the peak that he hits before coming back down? I'm more interested back, in what yeah. does the backslide look like for Ken Bone because he needs a second Bro- act. Do you remember who the 2008 Ken Joe the plumber? Yeah, it was Joe the plumber. But then he went and then he went too far. He, then he picked a side. Then he went. He was like he was like going to like McCain rallies and stuff like that. And then people soured on him. Ken Bone can't pick a side. That's why he needs the alt center. Yeah. Like uh, Joe the plumber. His last tweet was from somebody who's got deplorable in their title. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's and he's got uh, he's got twenty six thousand followers only, mm-hmm. even though. He's tweeted 28,000 times. So it's less than, you know, less than a follower a tweet, which is not a great ratio. Yeah. Um, well, he needs to me, us. Yeah. That, well, Joe the Plumber. No, he doesn't need us. No, Joe he, the Plumber. No, we're out on Joe the Plumber. I mean, yes. I guess we're in on him in the, in the same way that we're in on people on the far left as well. But because they both have such good ideas. <laughs> but no, Ken Bone, we need him. But I, this is all leading to your ultimate destiny, which is in 2024, you're going to somehow finagle your way into this undecided voter question and answer forum and mm-hmm. you're you're going to get on TV. Cuz oh. think about like you worked so hard, you were on TV and now you have this podcast empire and you have 50,000 followers. Mm-hmm. You could have just been Ken Bowen for one night and quadrupled that. Had a cool sweater. Yeah. I mean, but you might need to change your name a little bit. Yeah. Okay. We'll work on it. All yeah, right. We had 8 years to pick a cooler name. <laughs> yes. Should not be hard. Okay. All right. And then finally, uh, what about uh, Chester? Uh, Chester, and is there anything else to say? He says, uh, staying with someone for two weeks in Manhattan is excessive, even when they have an extra bedroom, which nobody in Manhattan who makes less than seven figures does. 
By the way, the, he has an extra bedroom, so he's just bragging that he makes seven figures there. To do it in George's apartment is bat poop insane. If the Wigmaster is friends with Susan, why doesn't he stay at Susan's parents' enormous place on Central Park West? Right, who wants to stay with their parents, with their friends' parents? That's <laughs> yeah, insane. The crazy right parents. That's just like you thinking like a robot and saying like, oh, you know, you could just stay with my parents and that would be fun. Yeah. Also, Chester says, why is Jerry writing a check for the jacket? Have you ever seen a man write a check for an article of clothing? A little sexist now. Yeah, very a man. <laughs> like, I'm surprised he didn't write M-A-N in capital letters. I don't think Chester's invited to the old center. No, no, it's not all center. He's like right and left, but he's not center. <laughs> And then finally, he also says that Kramer calls George to drive the Jiffy. Oh, no, we talked about this. Uh, here's one other point, I guess. Uh, he also says, why is Kramer sleeping in Jerry's apartment? Every super has a key. Letting in tenants who get locked out is 75% of the super's job. What about a locksmith? Even if Kramer's cheap to hire one, Jerry is a notorious germy. He'd much rather pay for a locksmith to unlock Kramer's door than sleep in bed with Kramer. It's not a bad point. I didn't know that the super had my key, honestly, when I lived in the building for oh, a bunch does. of years with a super. He does. Oh, man. Yeah. And finally, his name was, Je- his name was Jesus, and we he wanted us to call him Super Jesus. <laughs> and finally, one last uh, comment from Chester, and maybe the hottest take of the whole podcast. Oh Why do people rank this episode so low? It's the second best episode of season seven thus far behind the Soup Nazi. Oh, no, that's te- that's a terrible take. I'm going <laughs> to. I mean, I'm seeing Chester tomorrow night at his brother's wedding when I walk him down the aisle. Yeah, I'm not actually walking down there. But uh, but the problem is his wife's coming now. I was supposed to be Chester's plus one. And now his wife is back. Like, I guess she's speaking to him again. She's coming to the wedding. Yes. So. So I don't like, you know, now he's now he's not like we we're going to do a podcast from the wedding. Now I'm sure she's going to have him on a tight leash. We're not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. What are you guys talking about on 32 fans? We haven't recorded. I, he, he thinks we're recording from the wedding. But if we talk about anything, would listen. His team is the number one team in the NFL, and my team is the number 32 team in the NFL. So. <laughs> are they really? Are, they the, are the Jets the worst team in the NFL? Yeah, the DVOA has them as, even before the Steelers lost. Is anybody else winless? Well, the Browns are winless. Winless, okay. I think we Listen, we're going to have, well, we'll find out. We play them soon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll see. Hashtag alt center. I think it's happening. Yeah, it's going to take off. Yeah, gonna, let us know if you're in. It's going to take off. Ken Bone, welcome aboard. We gotta get Jen Manning to pitch this to him. Oh yeah. Oh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna like write an, a DM for her, and she's gonna slide it in. Yeah. All right. Then also, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre who edits the Seinfeld post show recap, and of course to Mike Moore who writes the recap. Keith, what's coming up next week? Uh, next week we we're, you know we've been on a kind of a, a dud kind of run, but it gets really hot starting next week. Wow. We got the we got the calzone. Uh, you know, a great Steinbrenner episode, great Newman episode. Uh, great uh, Kramer, you know, drying his pants episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. All right. Calzone coming up. Maybe I'll eat a calzone next Wednesday. That's a good idea. We should <laughs> eat calzones. And, but you you have told me that I'm not allowed to eat during the podcast. No, so I'm not, sure. not on the air. Can you wave the rule for one week? No, we shouldn't Why eat, a calzone we eat calzone while we're podcasting. Why not? Doughboys <laughs> does it. They're great. I know they're great, but that we should not eat a calzone at the same time we're recording this podcast. That is not negotiable. Well, also, calzone is like the word anything bread related, like you every you know, you put it in your mouth and it takes like five minutes to chew. Mm-hmm. So it'd literally be the worst. Like if you're eating like a candy or something, fine. It would be the worst food to eat while podcasting. It calzone. would not be good. It would not be good. Okay. All right. Keep 
Great stuff. We will talk to you guys next week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com is the email. And of course, if you want to leave us your feedback and star ratings, go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. 